If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. The girl, the knight, and the man. They're all a part of the same tragic tale, the same world. It's a world of pain built off of suffering. Before we reach the end, will you see their connection? How their stories so beautifully intertwine. We'll begin with the girl. She is locked away, kept from the world, as though she is a porcelain doll, or a secret that can never be revealed. She sneaks about her home, wary of her mother, unsure of her father, with her only companion being her rabbit toy. Mr. Rabbit is the only one who speaks to her, who plays with her, who comforts and engages with her. The imagination of a child filling the voids of loneliness itself. Her mother despises her, but we do not know why. Attempts to find comfort in her arms are met with angry rejections and words no child should ever be subjected to. Why does the mother hate the girl so? What did she do to deserve this treatment? Well, nothing. There's nothing any child could do to earn this sort of hatred. The better question is, what is wrong with this woman? Why is this abuse being allowed to continue? This question is turned upon the father of the girl. He's never home, instead choosing to focus his energies into his job. He runs away from this home situation, clearly refusing to acknowledge the deep turmoil within his home. In the aftermath of each traumatic run-in with the mother, the father buys the girl gifts in an attempt to make her happy. This does not work. She doesn't want presents. She doesn't need things. She needs a mother. She needs a father. Having a glimpse into their lives, we see the tension between the girl and the mother grow as the little one prowls around downstairs after bedtime, after she accidentally breaks a window when trying to steal cookies from the kitchen, when she tries to take a spoon for an imaginary tea party with Mr. Rabbit. With each transgression, the mother's behavior becomes more troubling. When the little girl is all bloodied from a fall, she walks away. When the girl walks by as the mother is reading, she turns her body away from the girl in an attempt to ignore her. When the girl fiddles with the kitchen drawers as the mother is cooking, well, she threatens the girl with a knife. Stop this. Stop this. Stop this. Why can't you just disappear? Why are you still here, the mother says. This leads to the first outburst from the girl towards the mother. When the girl tries to make amends and the mother once again slaps her away, she throws Mr. Rabbit at her in anger. The mother, shocked and horrified, runs away, leaving the little girl all alone. Immediately following this, the girl's attitude changes in regards to her parents, Consequences matter less to her. She speaks against them to Mr. Rabbit. She theorizes that her parents are evil and have locked away children up in the attic. She theorizes that she too was abducted. They are not her parents. They don't love her. To investigate this theory, she rummages around and destroys the house when she's left unsupervised, looking for a key to the attic. Once inside, she finds... A bunch of old junk, no children, no answers. 
but Mr. Rabbit points out a chimney, though they have no fireplace. Pulling out brick and falling into the basement, it's there that she finds a room full of child's old belongings, though none of it is hers. This cements in her mind that her parents are abducting children, and she is one of them. We leave the story of the girl behind for now, and look to the night. The night comes from a land consumed by pain, a land once dead and barren until a being called the Keeper appeared and returned light to the world. But the light, the spark, it came at a terrible price. Screams of pain filled the air, pain which fueled the Keeper as centuries passed. Once grand castles fell into ruin, a slow and insidious decay brought a new death throw to this place. Some, in service to the Keeper, hunted the land and its inhabitants to harvest more pain. Some out of fear of the Keeper, others out of greed and lust for reward. The Knight is just such a being. He hunts this pain from any source he can find, and he does it with brutality. But it's never enough. The Keeper treats his offerings with disdain, never allowing the cycle of pain harvesting to slow. But within these lands are the pure of hearts, those who live without fear, without pain, hidden from the gaze of the Keeper, who cultivate soul flowers that fill their hearts with love, and this love keeps them safe from the pain. Only the one who grows the flower can use it. The night he too once had a flower. He wasn't always this way. His heart wasn't black through and through. But out of desperation to escape the cycle of pain he lived in, he attempted to steal another's soul flower. A sin he could never be forgiven of. Even if you steal a flower, it'll never be yours. Such things should never happen. She, she never forgave him for stealing the flower. It didn't belong to him. But this flower was near death. He saved it. He stole it away to keep it safe. This does not matter. Something stolen can never truly be yours, and she could not accept the presence of this stolen flower. Before she became the witch, she was a creature of love. She was full of life. But when that love was betrayed, her flower destroyed, and she lost the most precious thing to her, the knight was not there to help her. He was away. And she was consumed by pain and sadness. It changed her. She cursed the world. So yes, the theft of the second flower by the knight could not be accepted by her. The knight begged her to bind the flower to their souls, to begin anew, to leave the world of pain behind, but she refused. Begging turned to arguing, which turned to threats, then returned to begging. And for years this continued. And for years the suffering of the witch and the knight deepened as their hearts grew more blackened and broken. In a final effort to save the world and the people within, the witch endeavored to destroy it all, in the madness that had overtaken her, it made sense. It was mercy and a release, a way to find the path back home to where she so longed to be. The witch parlayed with the keeper and was transformed into a great and wild snake. 
she hunted for the night, and a violent, bloody fight ensued. In the end, both the knight and the witch were destroyed. Now we go to the man, who almost presents as an observer to the pain of the world, though a being called the Story Keeper tells him that he is very much a part of this tale. He seems to be disconnected from the horror of the girl and the knight. The man travels the dying land through falling castles and broken homes. He is surrounded by danger, but he is not a fighter. It's easier to hide, run, or let the monsters of darkness fight themselves. Though not intentionally, he causes others pain through careless actions or indifference. Much like the knight, he collects pain from this world, though he doesn't seek it from living sources. He takes it from the land and from beings of shadow. The man finds a beautiful creature as he travels, a fox, that teases him along, helping him from time to time in defeating creatures that hunt him. It takes him some time, but eventually he is led to a safe place, an overgrown courtyard, where the fox takes its true form as a feminine being of light. Before departing, she gifts him something, her soul flower. He's hesitant to take it from her, it's hers, and she'll need it to survive this world, but she insists he take it as a gift. They share an embrace before she is pulled away into nothingness. When next we see the man, he is someplace new, not the pain-filled, decaying kingdom we've become so familiar with, but in an apartment, his home, taking a phone call. You see, we've met three characters, but in truth, there are five stories. You know of three. Now we'll weave the story of the girl into the true tales of the night and the man. Not so long ago, in our familiar world, a husband and wife, whom we've called the knight and the witch, were happy. They lived very normal lives with their daughter, a dark-haired girl who was close with her parents but carried a deep pain inside. She was victimized by her peers over and over again, tormented for reasons unknown to us, but why try to make sense of a bully's actions? They're beyond understanding, they don't deserve it. They were monstrous to her, something no excuse could ever be made for. And after so much agony, the dark-haired girl took her own life. The husband and wife were destroyed by this. Pain became their world. The husband, the knight, was not there for her. He went away to focus on his work, but the wife, before she was the witch, tried to protect her soul flower. She really did. But with time, it was lost. The pain became too much, and she was overtaken in the darkness. By chance, the husband arrived at the scene of a fire one evening. Within the burning building, he heard the sound of a baby crying, and without hesitation, he ran into the building to save the child. He was successful, and he vanished into the night with her, taking her as his own, to perhaps try and replace what was lost to them. But the wife could not accept this supposed gift. It was stolen. She didn't want it. It wasn't theirs. But the husband insisted. And the baby was raised in isolation 
without the love of a mother and without the presence of a father. This was her world. She heard the husband and wife argue night after night, begging, fighting, threats. There was never any peace between them. The house was built of eggshells. Every day, the husband ran away to his job while the mother festered in her sadness. The girl did all she could just to have a small presence in their world, regardless of the rejection that she faced. But in the end, the pain overtook the wife, and she became the witch who parlayed with the keeper. She attacked her husband, the knight, and after a violent confrontation, he was left dead in their yard and she was mortally wounded. She limped back to the house, knife in hand, and called someone. She called the man, who was the father of the now-fallen knight. She tells him that they are going to be with their lost child, that the husband is already there, and she will be with them soon. Slowly, she approaches the terrified girl and hands her a note, a note that drives her to pure black sadness. The girl leaves the home alone, going back to the burnt-out building she was stolen from so long ago to end her life. But the call, the call spurs the man into action, and he races for their home, unaware of the little girl's fate. There he finds the corpse of his son, and pain pierces his heart. The keeper brought to form skewers him, but the man does not accept this as his final destination to stay with the corpse of his son, the knight. Instead, gathers himself, removes himself from the skewer holding him in place, and searches for the little girl in the house. Next to the corpse of the wife, he finds a note and understands its meaning. He races for the burnt-out building to find the girl. And there he does find her, as she stands at a ledge, just as the biological daughter of the husband and wife did so long ago, intent on suicide. But the man beats the door, blocking his way, calling out to the girl, begging her to come back, trying to break through to reach her. And she does stop. She does turn to him and accepts his pleas to see where this path will lead. As the floor beneath her gives out, the man makes a wild dive for her, risking everything just to hold on to her. And he succeeds. He saves her, this little being, his granddaughter. He takes her in, raises her to live a full life. When we leave the pair, they sit together at the graveside of their lost family. And she tells him a story of flowers and pain.